Greetings, everybody. I'm back as another episode of Maker That Money. We are live today from the uh, WeWork uh, facility at the top of the Salesforce Tower in downtown San Francisco. This is some amazing digs. Uh, we've got a great view of the uh, Bay Bridge and uh, a rare treat. I'm here with Dennis DeMeyer of Thangs. Uh, thank you so much for hosting us here and having us. This is exciting. Thank you for coming. Uh, yeah, yeah, no, this is this is great. And like I've told you, uh, any opportunity we have to to talk face to face and in person, I feel like that just uh, changes the whole dynamic of everything and makes the experience just that much more positive and a, a much better way to uh, get to know people, see inflection and tone and all the things that we don't get from our online uh, experiences these days. So so human, right? It's, it's, it's <laughs> remarkably human. How refreshing is that? Uh, so uh, why don't you start off by just giving a, and I know you've told this story a million times uh, as a CEO, but uh, for anybody that's listening to the podcast that uh, hasn't heard of you guys before, give us an intro of who you are, what your background is, and what things is. Yeah, no, I'm happy to, uh, but I'll keep it short. Dennis, I, uh, I'm the CTO, CPO of Things, co-founder. Uh, with Fizna, which is the parent company that owns Thangs, and then also an enterprise product. Before that, I spent uh, about eight and a half years at Google. So we worked in search. Okay. And you know the path here is is actually pretty straightforward. Google does it a little bit around search, uh, and there was a concept of 3D search that was genuinely interesting. Yeah. Uh, no one had done it, and so Thangs was initially just an expression of 3D search, which is upload geometry, find other geometry. There's applications of it in the enterprise space. Yeah. And our enterprise product is single tenant, fully isolated, SOC 2, not in any way integrated with things. But there's versions of that for enterprise, for supply chain, and there's versions of that for 3D printing. Yeah. And so that was the catalyst behind things. Yeah. yeah. And, I, and I think that's an important distinction that you just drew out because I think the assumption, and my, myself included, uh, this is the first time we've actually gotten to meet in person, so I'm glad that... That, that we get to clear the air because I think, uh, like many, I just made some assumptions around uh, the motivations of things and stuff like that. And it looked like very clearly when you have an enterprise model and now you're releasing kind of more of a community-centric thing that maybe there's some data mining happening or something like that. But but no, you, as you say, it's, uh, it's solely uh, a, a different revenue stream, a different uh, segment of what you guys do. And you guys are doing uh, some really interesting stuff to build community in that space which is something I'm hoping we can dive into a bit more today. I'm looking forward to the community conversation, but to your point, just to be clear and on the record, yep. the enterprise product is single tenant, which means it's not multi-tenant, but also it is SOC 2 compliant. Things is, of course, not SOC 2 compliant because that's an enterprise compliance framework, yeah. specifically for manufacturers, defense contractors, that kind of thing. Yeah. And so I actually can't in intermingle in any way the data between those two products right now. That's that's interesting. And for those that aren't familiar with what SOC 2 is, can you just give us a kind of a brief, like, wh what does that mean, like, oh to be gosh. SOC 2 compliant? Uh, in layman's terms, as best you can. That's mm, the best way to describe it. It's a series of processes and controls okay. that apply to the way you build an application, the security architecture of the application, the governance of the data of that application, and then <clears throat> mandated legally what you have to do, so these procedures that you must follow in any variety of circumstances. And so it's it's a lot. And you actually would never do that with a product like Fangs, at least yeah. initially, yeah. 
because it's hundreds of these controls that you have to follow. Yeah. It's, and you know, it's, it's legal. Well, so you, you well must done. do it. It was a good articulation of that. I thought, yeah. but it's, yeah. it's, it's amazing and it's yeah. great. And it's a good thing for just in general for industry to have compliance frameworks. Uh, sure. but yeah, it, it, you can't move very fast when you have those types of controls. And if you know anything about things, we love to ship fast. Yeah. We will often get, we had, I'll give you an example. We had six meetings with designers last week and long ones. I mean, hour, hour and a half. We love to like listen. Yeah. Our product manager, River, and I are sitting there. We're listening. We're listening. And at the very end, we go, they all just said the same thing slightly differently. Let's just build it. And so a week later, so that was Thursday. Yeah. This Thursday night, at midnight last night, we released a new maker leaderboard. And this isn't like a plug for things. It's more to say you could never do those types of things when you have hundreds of controls and processes sure. that you have to follow. And so we love that idea of just, we hear it. Let's go build it. Yeah. Yeah. Just, it's it's amazing. That's why you do startups. Yeah, I was gonna say it's very, very startup mentality, right? Move fast, break stuff. Yeah, learn, well, not learn. break it terribly. Well, but, but you, know, you know what I mean when we say yeah. break stuff. It's like let's get into it. Let's let's yes. get, like, test it quickly. Don't don't gold plate it. Yeah, just get it out the door. Yeah, get some feedback and then and iterate. assume. Yeah. assume yeah. the next two weeks. It's ninety percent of it isn't perfect. Let's just make it perfect by listening to people over and over. Just ruthless cycles of iteration. Mm. Love it. Like that's fun. Yeah, building. It's no different than being a baker, right? Yeah. Like we're all everyone on things. Everyone that I can think of is also a printer yep. or a designer. Yep. And it's the same thing. Yep. What happens when you see a print that's like, you know, a third of the way through and you're like, I just did a, a print bunny print last night. And like the frame, you all know like the string, the string art right now. Oh, the frame was Natalie's just like stuff. off yeah. by this far. Yeah. By like, I don't know, whatever like the hundredth layer was. <laughs> it's off by this far, and then it's this far. And at that point you just go, all right, all right. Come iterate on. right like change yeah. change my infill settings change the wall thickness that's fun that's yeah. what we all do yeah so the community also thinks like this in a lot of ways yeah well you're lucky you get to play in in two different spaces right i so said you've got a you've got a commercial or an enterprise application and then now you're interacting with the community so i want to talk uh on community building we'll start there um we're seeing this is an interesting time to be uh, a creator uh, a designer um and and you guys are are just jumping right into the mix now. Things has been around now for how many years? Almost four years. Four years. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. And and what it was when it started and where you are now. I know you've seen a lot of uh, a lot of change, and we can get into that. But but obviously, you know, building a community, building what you're doing uh, in the hobbyist commercial space is a completely different uh, animal. Yes. You know, different customer base and all that stuff. Um, and uh, you're so you're interacting with the community, you're trying to engage them, you're trying to attract them to come to your platform versus other platforms and whatnot. Uh, give us a sense of like, maybe how the strategy has evolved and what you guys have done to like really uh, work on that on that building. Gosh, that's such a good question. So it, cause it's <laughs> changed a lot, a lot right? Like everything's evolved. If you've been in this space for as long as we have, you've seen this maturity cycle. And what's happening is, <clears throat> It's growing so fast that companies have to think differently. Yeah. And one of the things that you've heard that saying before. Well, yeah, <laughs> no, yeah, God, yeah, yeah. yeah. That's you, everything's been said or done once. It feels like uh, the think differently is you're right though. Yeah, it's like Apple from what the '80s. The interesting part of it is, it was small four years ago. People thought you know it was never going to grow up as an industry, or it was going to, but eventually, very slowly. Yeah. And at the time, we were called a little foolish for investing into it. And now it's large and it's growing 26% year over year. Not for us, we're growing way, way faster than that. But as an industry, that's yeah. hardware sales. Yeah. 
These are new people coming in and buying units, and it's increasing over time, which means it's going faster as the baseline expands. So this is not a zero-sum mentality. And that's one thing that we, you know, when you, when you say, like, you know, you got to kind of like compete with users, I actually don't think about it like that. I think we sit in a, a slightly different category. Now, I totally see why you're saying that, but it's different for us for two reasons. One, we search all the platforms, and that was how we started 3D Search. Uh, and so we search all the platforms, but we don't ever provide preferential, what you call search positioning or ranking for our own models. Okay. And so even if you go to things and you're like, I'm a things user, hardcore, and I'm looking for whatever the latest Flexi Dragon is or the latest collapsible sword, if you search, you're just going to see search results from every platform. And then we send those users for no cost, no advertising, nothing. Yeah. We send those users to other platforms. It's a opposite kind of view where you go, it's not zero sum, yeah. it's a rising tide. Yep. And actually, that's been a big part of how we've grown. And we, we have like these values that we don't compromise. We don't put our stuff first, we put the user first. Yeah. And so that's one part of just, it's a different way of thinking about it. The other part is, so that's the consumption side. If you think about these platforms and communities, there's two sides, there's consumption and design. So now to go to the designer point, Sure. we also have a very different perspective. Uh, and it's, it's aggressive, but we allow our designers to post to other 3D platforms. So they finish the things, upload, they go through, they hit done, and we go, would you like to upload this also to cults or to Thingiverse? And we map all the categories for them. Yep. And so if you think about these platforms, the most precious asset that you have is the designer, the maker. Content. The maker, in some cases, is also you know, a printer who's not a designer, but in this case, the designer. Yeah. And what we found is actually being open and saying, you know, upload here. But then you can also post to these other places that have open APIs that we can just use. They like that. They actually want to post in multiple places. You know, this is interesting because uh, when we, you know, think of the the example probably uh, in our everyday lives of like traditional media content, so like Netflix model, right? The content is king model. We, we are starting to see a lot of those entities try to have exclusive, like make their own content and, and create a wall around that space. And so that, that's very opposing to that. What I'm gonna ask you a tough question. Why do you guys think you know better in that in this regard? Why is it different for design than say like something like generating media? Well, first, we would love exclusive models. Just to be clear, like I'm not <laughs> you're not turning them down. Yeah, no, the no, opportunity. No, no. I, we're, we're very happy to have those. Sure, we, we're, we're yeah, we're, we love that. Um, please. That being said, the idea is different. It's there's there's like these traditional S curves for every market. Yep, and so proliferation, lots of things. Then it gets commoditized a little bit, and that's, you know, everything starts to kind of look the same, have the same features, and then consolidation. Some of the other ones kind of fall off to the side, and then typically, you know, there's this capture, and there's like two or three things left. Yeah. In a world of proliferation, that maybe could be commoditization in a few years, yeah. you can either go like this and say, this is mine, right? or you become the facilitator for this cross-pollination across platforms. Yeah. If you think about the open source movement, yeah. which is a big part of kind of where 3D printing came from. Sure. It was born in this place of not a scarcity mindset, but the abundance mindset. And so our, our version of it is you can come to us <laughs> to find models on things, and we have a lot, tens of thousands being uploaded per week. You can come to us for that. That's fine. But if you search, we won't just show you our stuff. We'll show you what we think is the best stuff. Even if it's not on our platform, we'll send you off on your way to someone else's site. People will come back to you. It's not a bad business model either. They will come back to us. Right. And so that's because they want to search everything. Yeah. And yeah. we're going, we're not folding on tight. We're open. 
Yeah. And the same with posting. So if you can post to three platforms from one place, wouldn't you go to that one place? Well, certainly as a designer, I would prefer that, right? Because exactly. we're, we're seeing more and more options now. Um, and that that's not a typical mindset for a commercial entity to, to be that open and willing. I guess, again, to push back a little bit is history is just full of examples how over time open source unfortunately starts to collapse in on itself in a way. Uh, and so, you know, while that might work now, it's going to be interesting having this conversation with you maybe three, five years down the road and see where we're at. Agreed. Yeah. I know. mean, it, listen, there's risk. Yeah. There's risk. The yeah. best part about being a startup is a little bit of risk is okay for us. Yeah. We're, we, we have really strong opinions. We've also been wildly aggressive about being ultra pro designer. Right. And that it was very controversial a few years ago. And we're like, no, if you want to download, you got to log in. And everyone's like, I don't have to log in anywhere else. I don't want to log in. Right. Well, then how is the designer going to build a following? Right. Our biggest designers have way more followers right. on things than they do on Twitter. Yeah. Right? Like it, it's because we've been letting people log in. And then if they want to, they hit the follow button. What do we do with that? Nothing. We give them a heads up when that designer that they love yeah. uploads something new. But you can't do that if they're not logged in. Yeah. And so it's, but it, it was very controversial for years and it was a lot of negative feedback on it, but it, it worked out. This open, just being pro designer and then also being open, it, it's worked. It, yeah. We grew 10X in the last, our, 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 uh, our daily traffic is up, well, actually over 10X in the past four months. Yeah. It's, it's okay. Like it's, it's not scarcity. It could be someday and you're yeah. right. And yeah. it might bite us. Yeah. But right now it's abundance. Well, it's very clear you guys are in a, in a very startup mindset right now where the, the goal is like, let's get as many users into the system as possible yes. and, and, and build, build, build that community, right? And totally. so to do that, you need to be as compelling and engaging as possible. And, and as I understand there's going to be trade-offs, like having that login and all that stuff. But, but at, the, at the end of the day, um, the less resistance that you put up to that, the, the better you're going to do in terms of growing that uh, community. So let me shift gears for a second. I mean, it's not not really shifting gears, but on this podcast, we talk about um, uh, makers turning their hobbies into their jobbies. So we, we say like, um, you know, historically makers are terrible entrepreneurs because we like to uh, just make cool stuff. And that is not really in line with the business mentality where it's like, you gotta be doing the same thing over and over again. You gotta be dealing with admin and managing, uh, you know, stuff like that. Um, I talk about the product side of things cause that's kind of where my background is, but you are part of a, a much larger space and economy now for, uh, makers to, to make a living, uh, from being a designer. And we talked off, off camera before, before the show about how it's, it's a really interesting time for artists, especially 3d artists to, um, monetize their skill set in a way that just wasn't available to them just a few years ago. You speak to that a little bit. Yeah, I mean, it's uh, this is our business model on things. We believe very firmly in it. But taking a step back for a second, sure. Uh, about three or four years ago, there was this term everybody was using, especially in like the startupy world, the maker economy. Yeah. We've all heard it, and yeah. then we stopped hearing it for a few years. Yeah, and it's coming back. Yeah, the new maker economy now. It is, and they're calling it like <laughs> Maker Two Point Sure. This one, I think, is here to stay. There's a bunch of shifts and changes in the broader economy, but. Yeah. Uh, that S curve again, maybe I don't know what. Anyway, it uh, might. Well, it might be, but that's. Just, I think this is more of an. Again, it's like almost like an abundance scenario. It's okay. it, because it, they're everywhere. Yeah, our makers live on every continent. And yeah. but, but, so here's like the thing that has to work in a multi-sided market, which is this maker economy, right? There has to be both sides of it. 
there must be a proliferation of designers and there must be a proliferation of people that want to consume this content. And the content, going back to like your Netflix example, the conflict, it, 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 it might not be video, but if you've ever gone through, and I know you have, the process of designing a good print, it's a week, two weeks. I mean, it, it's sure. wildly time consuming and people do this for a passion. We look at it as your passion should be your profession. And so we've got a bunch of designers now who are making enough money on things through the memberships because it has to be recurring. Yeah. They're making enough money on memberships that if they wanted to, they could stop their full-time job, which helps the overall community. The maker economy is booming. Uh, we, I mentioned this to you offline. People go, well, is there enough value there? Are people going to actually want to pay for it? The answer is yes. Uh, we are growing at a very, very healthy clip month over month. We're accelerating on a larger baseline each month, but that's not about us. I'd rather talk about the designers. We had a designer uh, show up three weeks ago and within a week and a half, they were our third top selling designer. And this is the kind of money that would, um, that's that amazing. would be material. Yeah, it, it's shocking, yeah. but there's components of it that they kind of, there's a, if you want to bake that recipe, there's a couple of ingredients that they have to have. Yeah. But I, before talking about that, I, go, I want to just reinforce what you're saying. The maker economy is booming in the 3D world. The value is present because if you want to go buy these models elsewhere, with, which if people are going to take a couple of weeks to design something, give them a couple of dollars. Give them a latte worth. Yeah. But if you, could have, if you could spend two lattes a month and instead of getting one model, get 10 or 15 or 20, the value proposition's really clear. It's there. And then you talked about like the, uh, I would call it the frequency. And so the frequency of engagement, the tools are there for makers to now connect with their community and their supporters, get feedback, touch, touch the people that support them yeah. in some capacity, and then keep the loop going. And so that recurring revenue is really important because if you think about transactional dollars, you know, none of us want to live, it's very difficult to live off of transactional money, where you don't know where the next paycheck is coming from. But if you know that you retain 95% of your revenue yeah. month to month, but you're adding 20% in growth every month, yeah. you can very clearly predict what your income looks like. And if you can predict your income as a designer, you can make that transition. And then when people make the transition and they really go all in, they do really, really well. You know, I mean, that's exciting to hear, but I, I got to tell you, I have this conversation with a lot of creators over the years, uh, even even if I take a step back to just like uh, YouTubers, for example, where uh, ultimately when you're when you get invested in platforms like this, whether it's uh, putting your content to YouTube or posting your 3D stuff to things, you're playing in somebody else's sandbox, right? Yes. And so the risk is always uh, the more you invest in that, like there's there's no guarantee that that the rules change that the income structure won't change like we're in a boom right now you mentioned you know a boom but there, there are uh contracting cycles as well totally. whereas uh more and more people come into the space you know that's it's interesting because we talk about zero sum but there, there are uh, a limited amount of dollars and attention and, and places people are going to spread their money to you know various memberships and so obviously as the platform grows uh the number of choices where people have to sponsor or, or be members of, of things is going to uh, diminish. And so maybe your earnings potential will start to degrade over time. So what, you know, how, how, how does, and I, I don't know that that's your problem necessarily, but it is something that I think is on the minds of anybody that's becomes invested in these platforms. I think you're totally right, but <clears throat> we aren't anywhere near this. We're not close to and, that and, problem. And, yet, no, I'm, yeah. I'm telling you, and, uh, the growth is phenomenal, but what we're seeing is categories that we didn't expect to perform extremely well are just 
knocking it out of the park with us. These are people that are like, traditionally they're DIY YouTubers. They are home fix and repair YouTubers and they 3D print because sometimes it's a lot cheaper than going to Home Depot or it's just faster in some cases. We have a couple that are absolutely crushing it. And that's a category that we didn't even really see, honestly, three or four months ago. And they're just cleaning up because people want that. And the value exchanges were really simple. You're going to get hundreds of models for a couple of bucks a month. And so that that's one. But we also have to stop thinking about things, I would suggest. We don't have to do anything. I would suggest that we kind of free ourselves from thinking about things in a traditional way. Allow me to explain. Uh, what if... Uh, and this is a hypothetical. What if Joel telling uh, yourself and then like CNC Kitchen or somebody decided we're going to do a channel with the three of us? Okay. We're going to do that. And we're going to do content for just the three of us. We're going to smash our audiences together. And then we're just going to divvy it up based on, you know, who comes in and who contributes what and what people consume the most. Why doesn't that exist? Why, why, why does it have to be just you or you versus, you know, it's, it's again, it's, it's like the scarcity versus the abundance thinking. We're going to do some things pretty soon with memberships that allow designers to get more creative with how they work together. And in think about it, if you want to go back to your original uh, metaphor for this, and it was almost more of a metaphor than an analogy, but if you, if you think about it relative to like the traditional media companies, what's fun about it is, all right, <clears throat> why, why does ABC have to be owned by one person? Why does Disney have to be owned by one person? What if multiple people, what if ABC was a combination of amazing people who got together and huh. decided they were all going to contribute and then they would split, they would split whatever came in based on what people love the most. These things are possible. This is one of three things that we're doing over the next very short period. But that's just the beginning. Throw away from our perspective, and we can say this because we're a startup, right? But throw away the old way of thinking and just go, what could it be? I mean, I, I, I like it. Uh, I, I'd say the short answer is because capitalism and because historically we're just accustomed to like that self-ownership. But I, you know, if you've spent any time listening to any of my content, I'm a all about collaboration. Yeah. Uh, I love that kind of stuff. Uh, I'm intrigued by it. Right. I, 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 I'm not sure I fully follow like how mashing content uh, on the video front is the same, but I do see more opportunity in the 3D modeling front. And, and, and think of it like shows, yeah, right? So yeah, you got yeah, your favorite yeah. show. <clears throat> what if what if everybody who produced a show on Tuesday was an equal owner? But if one show was beloved and had ten times the viewership of all the other shows, they might get you know a slightly larger cut of what comes in across all the shows. But think of it like a collective. Yeah. It's people that are working together. They're all. They're smashing their audiences together, and then they're splitting up based on like a meritocracy, who does the best and what is loved the most. But in aggregate, they all benefit. It's all incremental and positive. But that's just an example. The, the thing that we can all think about here is when an industry is growing 26% year over year, there's this abundance of people coming in. And the best part about 3D printing is these printers are amazing, and they're getting better literally every month. Like I, you know a magnetic 3D printer uh, and the speeds that are being discussed, we all know which one it is. You go, wow, it's wild. <laughs> but, then you have, but then you have these amazing premium printers, like a Prusa, for example, that we all know and love and we use at our houses every day. And those are just like excellent, just excellent devices. There's all of this hardware. It's getting cheaper and more accessible. It's getting easier to use. And it's growing 26% year over year. That's a lot of people coming in and trying to find models. How sure. do you get great models? designers. This isn't like, you know, you don't go to like design company A, right? Like there isn't across the street, a giant building full of 3D designers are just churning out models and charging premium costs for it. You 
get models from your favorite designers. Print Bonnie, Chelsea, Chaos Cortex, right? Like you, you, everyone's got their favorite designers and they love their prints. Let's just make sure that they're able to make more of those for more people as they come in. Their audience is also not scarcity, it's abundance. It's growing by 26% no matter what they do. And they're going to get some of that growth no matter what. If you look at like the projections, the market projections for hardware sales, they don't show it declining either in the next couple of years. Well, it's interesting because you keep tether and, uh, and maybe that's just the best data you have available. But, but uh, there's nothing that says that the, the design, these models, um, I, I think it's easy to correlate it when you can turn it into the tangible, right? So we look at 3D printers uh, as the output for, you know, these, these things. But obviously, um, you know, as designers are getting into CAD and stuff like that, there, there are um, infinite other uses for these models beyond just physically printing them for, for things as well. Whether you want to get into game design, yes. you know, digital assets uh, uh, have uh, importance. Have you guys dabbled in that at all in terms of like people starting to create content for... I don't know, game design or CGI or, you know, other use cases outside of physical uh, printing? Yeah, totally. Yeah. It's, uh, and it's growing. So we support right now 32 3D file formats, mm. some of which support animation, yeah. scenes. Uh, historically, our core audience has been 3D printers and it remains 3D printers. That's our core. Yeah. Uh, we have some designers now who are very much game asset focused. Interesting. Uh, and the... I actually think it represents a huge opportunity for 3D designers in general because if they can move and they're using the same tools like Blender in some cases, right? Sure. So they have the skills, they can kind of just bridge them forward. The hardest part is creating this beautiful mesh that can then be articulated and rigged for an animation. Yeah. And then the content generally is worth, you know, four, ten times more. Yeah. And so some of them are making that transition because it's just very valuable. And yeah. they also offer something like a membership. And they can, you know, so they, but it's not zero sum in that way either. You can still have you know, you're designing kind of like static, unrigged models, positive volume, consistent normals, all that good stuff for 3D printing. And then you could take those models and then rig them. Yeah. And that's, you know, it's a very viable path. The people are making very, very good incomes off of just 3D printing models. For uh, sure. You can think of like the miniature space with tabletop games. I, I know two designers that are in seven figures uh, per year, and it's all recurring revenue, so it's very predictable. Yeah. Just off of having a great audience that loves what they build. And they build games, or they build something that has narrative and structure, or they build in a very specific genre. And there's entire genres that no one's even tackled. I, there's a designer that I love, uh, and I talked, so I talked to our, our top couple designers, specifically our number one designer, every day. Yeah. Uh, maybe six days a week, some weeks, but almost every day. And uh, for them, it's like all about like, here's more data, here's how you can help grow your business. For others, uh, there's one that I was talking to, and this is like your maker economy question. I'm just going to give you an example because it's so, it opens your mind. <clears throat> so they designed a very specific subgenre, and they've been moderately successful. And I asked them, we were having dinner one night, and I said, uh, what do you love, though? Like, Because I can tell you're tired, you're trying, you're grinding, you're trying to build your audience. And this is like that maker trying to get started thing. And they go, I'll be honest with you. What I really love is model trains. And I go, all right, all right. What do you do for model trains? Just what do you do every day? And they go, all I do is just create models and prints for these giant model train sets. They go, but no one cares. It's too small of an audience. I go, do you have any idea how big that audience it's actually is? A very big audience. Massive. There was a convention down in Los Angeles just around oh, yeah. trains. People were lined up for multiple hours to get inside. It's and and so I I actually they go, I don't I don't know. So I ran a Twitter poll. 
just I, I put it out on my own. And I go, I'm going to run a poll for you. And the poll's going to ask, would you like to subscribe to someone's plan or would you follow and consume their models for free if they did nothing but just train sets, just prints for train sets? And it was an overwhelmingly positive response. And this maker then decided, all right, I'm going to go do what I love. You said this uh, basically like three comments ago. You go, okay, but traditionally, the makers aren't necessarily business people or entrepreneurs in all cases. That might not be their background. Right. And so we spend a lot of time trying to help them go, actually, what you love, you can go do that full time. And then just give them some tools and some tips. We've been building these playbooks that we give them for how to build an audience, yeah. how to think about pricing strategy, how to market yourselves. Just free. We give it to them for free. Yeah. And those little nudges are basically all they need. Well, you know, that's that's really... That's really interesting to hear because uh, you know a lot of the a lot of things we hear in this day and age are, are you know the, the the real secret to um, I think being successful and probably whatever you're doing is making sure that you go where you're appreciated. Yes, right. So we've seen all kinds of stuff on social media in these days about you know uh, you know for example if you like you take an old car and you just take it down uh, to you know the used car lot they're going to offer you something but if you take it to like the you you know vintage car collector they're looking at that and they're evaluating in a completely different criteria and say, oh, actually what you have here is like a, you know, very rare you know, thing. And so when you're able to um, do that for designers where they're not necessarily thinking like, how do I, how do I get in front of like the people that are really going to appreciate, appreciate me for what I do? That's everything. That's the difference between being successful. And unfortunately, historically, I would say in this, like the, the world of, of Thingiverse in the past and stuff like that, the, the public perception of value of digital assets was very low. You know, it was like STL, you know, like, hey, I, I just give me the free STL, right? Yeah. STL, bro. STL, bro. Totally, like, let me, totally. You know, and and you, you said it uh, very well. Like sometimes like days, weeks go into the creation of these things. And uh, when people are just going to this online bazaar of all... 3D assets and stuff like that, and just being like, I should be able to get whatever I want and go on my merry way and not have to pay for it. Um, that's a completely different value proposition than what you're talking about, where you're like, okay, let's find your audience, let's build an audience, let's find what you love and what you do most and all that stuff. And that's that's everything, like I said. Yeah. It's amazing. Yeah. You're totally right. Yeah. Couldn't couldn't have said it better. The I'll tell you like one trick that we do. Okay. Uh, that uh, is very helpful for people that are trying to consider this transition. You read about in all the books from 10 years ago or 15 years ago, you know, like run a cheap ad on Google or on Facebook and see, you know, if anybody clicks on what you're doing, test your messaging. Yeah. Throw that away for a second. But the idea is interesting. So for uh, actually a number of designers, they'll be like, I don't know though. I just, and it's like, listen, listen, you've got 20,000 followers. You've yeah. got almost a million downloads. I promise you people will support you and let you do what you're doing full time. And they go, I just, I just don't know if my reach is. What we do is we'll put $500, $1,000 into ads for them. And we'll show them how many people click on those ads. And we'll run them on a Facebook or we'll run them on an Instagram. And you know, you can just look at our ads. They're so full of tangible data. Yeah, for yeah, yeah. And then yeah. we give them the data back and they go, yeah. oh my God. And you go, yeah, yeah, yeah. The audience for you, first, there's no one else quite doing what you're doing. And the yeah. audience for you is so much bigger than you think. And yeah. so oh, that's, yeah. that's all about, you know, find that genre, find that niche that you're talking about. That's what you love. Yeah. Do what you love. It comes across in your work, yeah. right? Yeah. Like, look at you. It comes across. You're genuine. 
I try to be. Yeah, and you can see it when you talk. Like yeah. you, you're actually into it. Or I'm a complete sociopath and I hide it very well. But oh, well, either I, way. Mean, I mean, <laughs> if, if you do, you're tricking me. But yeah, I, but I, but I do think like it comes across. Yeah. Right. Like if you if you don't follow you on Twitter, follow you on Twitter because you can see it. You're at the end of a run. You're exhausted. and You're talking about work and you're like genuinely into it. You can't fake that. And if you do fake that, you can't fake it forever. Yeah. Right. And that's the thing. Long format is great because people can't hold it up if it's not true. Yeah. You'll see it. Well, and it's it's not sustainable if you're not passionate about it either, right? No. So there, there's all that. One, one of the interesting things about uh, 3D printing, and I, I love this conversation. I'm sure you have feels on it as well, but nobody celebrates the tool set of the 3D printer the way, like with any other tool, the way that we do with this, right? There are not uh, c- conventions for band saws and uh, table saws and, you know, woodworking equipment, welder. I mean, there are, but I mean, you know what are. I mean? I mean, there's, there's like a like woodworking this. convention, but it's not like about the tool in no. the same way, right? So what is it about uh, additive manufacturing, 3D printing that has just like opened people's minds like to celebrating this particular tool set in a way that we haven't seen with other tool sets I don't know. It's like, how do you put lightning in a bottle? Because that's what it is. It's, I, I don't know, but I, but, I, but I can tell you, it's like somebody who tinkers, right? I don't have the answer. I, I don't have any other data than, than what everybody else has. But it, and I go to the Rep Rep Fest. It's, it's the person who wants to build something. Yeah. But, but they don't just want to build something in a lot of cases. They want to build it better than yeah. anybody thinks is possible. Faster, right? So it's like, everything's 10x faster now. And, and they are with quality. Yeah. And it, Everything about 3D printing right now is you have to modify the little settings, yeah. right? Like, look look at a great model. It'll tell you, this is the infill. This is the speed. This is how you want to do the supports. It's, it's all in the detail. And this, this group loves that, but they have a dependency. It's not software. Yeah. It's hardware. Yeah. And you can change it. Yeah. Uh, our product manager, we, they have an ender behind their desk, and it's always... In the, it's always in the process of being torn down and rebuilt. It's, I'm, I'm not <laughs> sure it's ever actually functioning. It's never it's actually run. because no, it's always being upgraded, but, sure. but we all do that, right? That, that was the same path. You I was know, staring at my hot end of my printer last night in my garage, and I was looking at it, and I was like, I think I need a new one. I didn't know why. I just really, you know, but we all do this. We go like, yeah. oh, I want to upgrade that. Yeah. There's a hacker mentality still out there. That being said, I think this new audience that's coming in, they are looking at it a little bit more like an appliance. Yes. And they just want it to work. Yes. And as we get these appliances into more places and more use cases, it's going to change dramatically. I was talking to Ellie over at Cocoa Press, and it's like, this lives in your kitchen. And if I'm buying this for my mother who loves to bake, yep. and, and I can just imagine all the ways that she would use it, it needs to have a different user experience. For sure. And it's going to be available to that type of a consumer and a user. And so there's going to be both. Yeah. Both. Yeah. That's great. It is. It is. Uh, I, I think we can start to see that happening. I still argue we're a long way away from uh, appliance status, okay. but but it is very clear that the, the market is segmenting in a, in a way where you've got you know, the old school uh, hardcore rep rap people that were more into the, the robotics and the journey and the understanding of the tool set versus the people that just want to get the uh, output for whatever it is they're doing. And you, you identi- identified that well when you're trying to cater to the designers, for example, whether it's uh, train building or drone building or RC or like there's so many um, cosplay. There's so many little uh, interesting hobbies that this tool enables you to create in a way and, and design uh, specifically for it. So like, like you were saying, like if you, you could be focused completely on 
uh, modeling uh, miniatures for Warcraft and doing quite well, right? Like that one game or whatever, or D&D or, you know, and people are constantly coming up with these new applications on a daily basis. And it's because of this tool set that I think they uh, were able to really break into that in a way that we couldn't before, right? Low, Low cost of entry, relatively speaking, for that. You're right. You're right. Home, de- home decor is like that too, right? Like, it, that's like an exploding category. Oh yeah, but home even decor. Like, that's an interesting one. Oh, I've so seen people printing lampshades and great uh, wall art. Artistic. I mean, just just yeah. ev- everything. It's what it's what such have we even thought of yet? It's right? such a world I mean, look, that was like the <laughs> yeah. DIY crowd. I, I knew it was yeah. there, but the intersection of the two, the bandsaw folks, yeah, and then the 3D printers, yeah. It turns out there's a very very heavy degree of of intersection because they are tinkers. Yeah, they are physical. They're tangible. Right. Uh, it's it's the kind of growth that's almost like hard to keep up with, quite frankly. So yeah. I, I don't, the way I think about it is there's, a, there's gonna be many, many audiences. Yeah. And then we have more hardware and we have more software and that's all good. Yeah. The thing that they all require is design. And roughly speaking, uh, any like user generated content type market, be it hardware driven as a dependency or just pure software, 1% of the audience is design, 99% creation, 99% is consumption. If the consumption is growing this fast, we need a lot more designers. And yeah. so, you know, just our our strong opinion, and we've had this since the beginning, is let's nurture designers and support designers because that will be. Listen, if you, you could have the best printer on the planet, if you don't have good models and you don't know how to design, yeah, it's just a really, really expensive consumption of space on your workbench. Well, and that's a that's a really interesting point because I think one of the biggest limitations for people to get into, say, three D printing is the the learning curve of like, if I want to, it's, it was the same thing with PCs. Like yes. I could buy a computer, but I don't know how to program. Ham radio. Like all yeah, of these uh, things. Fine. Yeah, yeah. Right. But no, you're right though. Like they're all that. That's yeah. the corollary. Yeah. And, and so, but you also watch them mature over time. Right. Minus ham radio maybe, but, but they all, they all, they all kind of matured and yeah. that's, we're just watching another one of those happen, but we're so fortunate to be right. And like the kind of like the beginning middle. Yeah. Yeah. I'm trying to I'm trying to draw it back to some analogies and like like graphic design. So, you know, desktop publishing and stuff like that, you know, there's communities of very talented designers. People have Photoshop, they have computers and, and um maybe they're starting to learn, but like a lot of times like there are just there's such a, a broader mass market that doesn't necessarily wanna have to know that stuff. Yeah. And and I think you articulated so well that your your common thread here is if we can cultivate a marketplace of uh, designers uh, that enable the tool set uh, that that that's only going to advance the adoption of the technology because now it takes away your need for having to know that part of it right you're spot on yeah but like think about the you, your point on the tool set you, you brought this up a couple times I think people I think you're you're spot on and people are sleeping on this a little bit. The tool sets evolving very quickly. And I'm not talking about, you know, like sculpting versus functional modeling. It's it's not about that. It's more uh, the tools are are lowering the bar of accessibility. However, you know, creativity is not something that you just manufacture. Right. And these are creative endeavors ultimately. Right. The tools are getting better. Yeah. And honestly, things like uh, you know, everybody couldn't stop talking about nerfs in the 3D world six months ago. Now it's everything's gosh and splatting. But the idea, the idea is that you can kind of go, all right, I want this from the real world. Yeah. In a functional, that's eh, gonna be a while, right? Like yeah, if you look yeah, at yeah. like if you actually look, look at the meshes that they're being created, not quite there, but yeah, you can yeah, yeah. see how like that bar will get a little bit lower oh, yeah. over time. Yeah. It's still, if you think about this as an appliance and 
at the volumes that are shipping now and the growth, there will be a subset that is very much appliance driven. Yeah. And for them, they're probably not going to want to be designers, but they're going to love printing. Right. And so the tool set will hopefully, as it evolves, allow us to have more designers. And people are accustomed to paying a couple of dollars. I saw this post on Reddit that I tweeted out recently that honestly, it turned my mind inside out for a second. I mean, it's, it's still living rent free in my head. It's, <laughs> it's one, it, I'll tell you why. It was uh, a designer that uh, they can be on any platform, but they were a designer on a platform. They have a $40 a month commercial plan. And this wasn't even in like a 3D printing subreddit. It was in an entrepreneurial subreddit. And the people are saying, what are like the best side hustles right now? Is 3D printing viable as a side hustle? And someone wrote, let me explain just how viable it is. They yeah. said, I spend $40 a month for full commercial reuse of this massive catalog of models. And these models are models that I know really well. They, that's just why it went under my radar. They're like really fun. And when you see it and you give it to somebody, you can like watch the joy, like just right in their eyes. And they go, they go it cost me a dollar in filament. And I sell these for $45 to $50 uh, per on Etsy, and I can't make them fast enough. So they spend 40, that's their fixed cost is 40 bucks a month. Sure. Then a dollar is their variable cost. And their printer's just running, and they're just selling them all day long. And they even put out like the name of the person out there. It, because it's open, it's like, you should do this. I can't, I can't make them fast enough as fast as I'm selling them. That, that's where we're moving. Yeah. And I've seen a lot of people do that, no, and the, but but where the the real beauty of the the machinery is that when that no longer becomes uh, appealing, so whether it's dragons or whatever else people are printing and putting on Etsy, uh, they can very easily retool and go to something else. So again, maybe that's one of the compelling reasons for that. You know. Every hobby, every passion, every going back to trains because you perfect. Every weird thing that you think you're the only person into in uh -huh. your town, you're not, yeah. and that's global now. Yeah, that's the that's that's the upper limit yeah. for where designers can operate. Yeah. It's it's that big. It's anything physical. Yeah, think about it. It's mind boggling. Like I'm watching my levels. I promise. But I get no, so excited about this because great. you talk to these designers and they are they work these jobs. And again, I'm very very pro designer. Uh, but they, they work these jobs and they're like, but what I really like doing every day is I come home and I spend three or four hours modeling, sculpting, whatever they're doing. And then they, you know, they have fans and their fans love it. And that's what they want to do. They don't want to do what they do between nine and five. And so the idea of like just getting them enough money and the audience is plenty big enough, giving them enough money that they can just do what they love full time like you're doing. They can create, they can be artistic. That's a very powerful concept. The thing I like about your content is you talk about makers. And yeah. You talk about giving them tools yeah. to help them you know, do what they love full time. Yeah. I could give you like the things that I tell most of our designers when they get on board, but I, it's, it's not a crazy playbook. It's simple stuff, but to them, and you said this so well in the beginning, to them, it is. They might not have an MBA. They, like the concepts of like, you know, pricing mix and market mix and all these things are like, I don't know. Yeah. They haven't, you know. No, playbook is huge for you, people like that. It is, but it's not even, it's, it takes 30 minutes of my day when I talk to them and I explain it to them and some go, oh, I don't know about me. And then some go, I'm going to do it. And the ones that say, I'm going to go ahead and try that out. Yeah. Uh, you know, the one that, again, I, I talk to every day, they were doing okay. And then I go, these are like the five things, five things. It'll take you maybe an extra hour a week. They're our top seller and they're accelerating every month. And I'm talking like thousands and thousands of dollars a month already that they're bringing in. Yeah. It's remarkable. And that's the upside for everybody. And so like you're, what I, again, going back, not to give you too many compliments, but Stop. What I love My about head's the way, already big enough. No, yeah. no, but like what I love about <laughs> what you're doing is you're trying to tell people believe in yourself. Uh, 
if I can share like one, just one other data point. Sure. Just one other data point. Data, data away, my friend. One of our investors is a, 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 a VC that you've, you know, a very large VC firm. One could argue is probably like the most visible and prominent that, that's out there. Sequoia. Maybe. And they did, <laughs> they did um, maybe, but okay. they did an analysis and it was a very large study and they brought in a lot of people. And the analysis was done for a very long time. It was very expensive studying, you know, what startups work and which startups don't work. And this applies to entrepreneurs in the exact same way. And at the end of all of this analysis, the best, the biggest takeaway was uh, it's people who don't quit. Yeah. It, it's just knowing what you love, being persistent, and just don't hedge it. You know, like just really do it. And what you're trying to tell people is just do what you love. And if you do what you love, taking the old terrible sayings away for a second. You'll never work a day. No, you will. It'll work. If it wasn't work, you wouldn't get paid for it, right? Like it's, it's not, because if, if it was, it was you know, just playing, you just go play, right? Yeah, like yeah, it, yeah. it's not quite that, but you'll do it differently. And I think that's the takeaway. It's going back to what I was saying earlier about like your content. And I told you this when we first talked, it's genuine. Yeah. You can tell you don't hate what you do. And that, that's actually really important because I think there's a lot of people out there who aren't terribly excited when they get out of bed in the morning to go to work. It oh, doesn't, 100%. And the people who are excited, they're excited for work, but that's for work. Not as excited as you'd be to like, you know, go hang out with your friends or go for a hike. But if you can be just, if you can be on a, on a scale from negative five to five, yeah. if you can be past zero every day, yeah. meaning like you don't dread what you're about to go do for eight, eight nine, 10, 12 hours, you're winning. True. Uh, but, you know, first of all, it's a gamut, right? Because some days are so hopefully you're on the upward trend, right? Because some days are good, totally. some days are bad. We're, we're, we're realists totally. about this whole thing. Yeah. And uh, I, I, to be honest, like, I, I think we can realize, like, we're coming from a place of privilege that it's taken a while to get there, right? Because we all kind of have to pay our dues. Like, I had my nine to fives. I had all that stuff, too. And I, had, I a lot of times it's just realizing what doesn't work for you as much as it is what does work for you. Um so I'm always, you know, gung ho on encouraging people to, you know, try to find things they're passionate about and all that stuff. But I realize that that's not, not everybody just ha like has six months to like try to bootstrap something or whatever. Like I, I get that. Uh, so I applaud you for trying to create tools that can at least uh, assist in the maybe the soft skills that a lot of makers don't necessarily have uh, to to a, get them at a better starting point uh, to approach this. But what I want to ask you about here, maybe to try to wrap it up, is uh, this is a common fear amongst a lot of makers I talk about, that that fear of burnout, right? When you have a membership uh, and you've, you've, you've built you know, a, a wide following, and this is the same for creatives across the board. There's just those days, months where you feel uninspired, you have writer's block, whatever the equivalent for you know designer's block is. Um, what... What tools or what what is it that we need to do uh, to to you know get over those humps? And um, I, I don't know. Have you? It, it's still a new enough space where it's like I don't know if we have enough data. Like what the average time that people can like last in this space? Because I've seen a lot of creators come and go because they just can't like keep up with it. And they put this immense amount of pressure on themselves to continue to produce good content. What are your yeah. What are your thoughts on that? Yeah, I mean you have to balance it. Right. To some level, right. I find that the people who are doing what they actually really enjoy, yeah, they don't have the same. Everyone gets burnt out. They don't right. have the same degree of burnout. There's a book that is, you know, there's not like you know the 3D designer maker canonical <laughs> Bible book, right? But there are not some yet. for other creative endeavors that take almost as long. 
And the one that I recommend, and I actually keep a couple of them in my office to give to people. Uh, Stephen Pressfield wrote this book called The War of Art. It's not Art Sons of Art of War, but The War of Art. And it's all about the most prolific writers. All, All Pressfield did was interview the most prolific writers and say, how did you keep doing it year after year, decade after decade? Right. And their answer was all the same. Some days it, you said it perfectly. Some days you're into it. Some days, you know, you're a little crispy. And they all said the thing, the one thing in common, the one thing in common, they all showed up and put in a couple hours every day, no matter what. Yeah. Some days were good. Some days were bad. And eventually there's enough momentum. What I'm seeing is actually really exciting. And I'll, I'll just tell this to people who are in that spot where they're still working on getting, um, getting what I would call like escape gravity, right? Like it's, it's so big. It's, it's, it's just going to keep going. Yeah. If you're right on the cusp of that, talk to people who enjoy your work. Mm. Talk to people who enjoy your work. Mm. You'll get so much energy from it. You'll get so much energy. Just show up, put in a little couple hours, and then talk to folks. Uh, our, our top selling designer, again, because I, 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 I bring it up only because I, I, I talk to him every day. Uh, they were going out to the Rep Rap Fest, um, uh, uh, Earth, and I go, hey, just a heads up, you're crushing it. I mean, you're making, keep going like this, you're gonna make like life-changing money uh, within, like, you know, build up a little spreadsheet model like pretty soon. And they're like, I'm taking three weeks off for Earth. And I go, okay, okay, why? And they go, it's my time to recharge. I also wanna talk to the people who enjoy what I do. And they came back, they took some time off, and I won't say their name, they took some time off of their day job because they were so energized. They're like, I'm just gonna go heads down for 10 days and just design more. Yeah, I love that. Talk to people who love what you do. It's, uh, I'll, 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 you know, I, I know we're wrapping it up, but I'll, I'll kind of, one of the things that we do at our company is every Monday we have a kickoff with my teams. And at the end we say three things. And we take, I'll take the other two off because they're not relevant. But the third thing we say is, don't do invisible work. Actually, exactly. you have to do invisible work. Yeah. We all do. And, we, yeah. and so it, go like, it goes like this. The reason why we've been so successful at our size and at our stage is, um, we, not so successful, we've had a degree of success, is people step up and they do work that no one else sees because it's the right thing to do and it's very user-centric and keep the site good and fast, whatever that thing is. <clears throat> but invisible work is the worst work because no one sees it, no one tells you how much it's appreciated and it's so critical. And designers do this as well. But it's not invisible. It's not invisible if you go talk to people who enjoy it. So we just changed something on things. It's not commenting anymore. It's now discussions. And the discussions live within a designer's model page. And this is specifically designed for this, for designers. Whenever somebody uploads a make of their design, by default, it's now going to, and this, this, this part here is launching like Tuesday or Wednesday. It'll, it'll start a new discussion as well as a new make. And the discussion is a comment that's apparent there's upvotes and downvotes on it based on the like, but the idea is the designers were saying, I love talking to people who love what we do. And what we're trying to do is create more connection points for them to see that people love what they do. If they're not anonymous, if they're not invisible, if they're visible, you'd be shocked. You'd be shocked, like just how much people, like the changes. You go, you go from, oh, I need a break to, oh, I'm taking a week and a half off my day job to just design full time. I love, I love this for multiple reasons. I, I talk about, even with this podcast, I say when, when we're doing it live, I encourage people to come join the conversation. I think words matter. Uh, I think we're so used to um, seeing the term comment 
uh, in this day and age that a lot of people feel like they just like want to say something uh, for the sake of saying something versus like adding something to a discussion, right? Yes. And uh, th th that might seem subtle uh, to some people, but I think that's everything in the sense that like, no, let's actually have some valuable conversation. The other thing is we, we talked ahead of show on this that the flip side, we, we talk about social media being a toxic place and all that stuff, but if you actually invest in cultivating your feed and getting rid of that toxic stuff, that engagement is exactly what what I know energizes me, yes. you know? And and I, I know when you, internet's gonna internet, when you open it up to just generic commentary, you're gonna get that a-hole that's just gonna say something to belittle you or law whatever. Law big numbers, right? Yeah, yeah, yeah law yeah. big numbers. But, but there is so much value in, um, allowing yourself to to be exposed to positive commentary. And we never register that commentary in the same way that we take negative commentary and let it break us down. Like why don't we allow us to to why don't we allow ourselves to be built up by positive commentary and discussions the same way that we do having negative commentary break us down. And so I, I love that you're you're giving thought to that. Uh, and, and that's going to make it feel more visible to your, your point, right? And there's ways that you can optimize for this. And so one of the things, we had a, we had a crazy idea, which is, you know, startup, that's what you do. We had a crazy idea around like upvotes and downvotes on models. We threw it away because designers are like, I don't want a negativity loop. However, they, exactly what you just said was super common. And we just had these meetings last week. And, you know, I could, I could name the names of the designers, but I won't call them out for whatever reason. I want to put them out there. They they said we don't want the upvotes and downvotes on our own models, but we do want something like that on the comments. Think about it like this: <laughs> the problem that you have on a lot of social networks is, and this is why people post and ghost now a lot, is you do get that like that great, useful, helpful, encouraging, critical, but also constructive feedback, and then every like four or five, you're going to get one of those other ones, right? Sure. But what if those other ones kind of sort at the bottom? And the ones that are the most helpful, constructive, positive were at the top. And so this, this new thing that we're launching, it's, and you'll see it, part of it is already out the door, but around these makes, is they have downvotes for a reason. If people are being a bit more toxic, listen, it's still there. But the community can say, actually, like, this is, we want to be more constructive and positive. And those go to the top. And so the designers, if they, they don't have to post and ghost, what they can do is they can go, all right, I don't have to scroll all the way down. I can look at the things at the top. And that's where I'm gonna get like the best interactions with my small tribe, which grows rather quickly if they interact back. And so we also do things uh, like an, uh, if you have over 500 followers, we allow you to do uh, like an anonymous email relay where you can touch all of your followers by email because we have their email addresses. We just can't give them out. We're like privacy nuts. Sure. And so, but they can reach out and they can say, you know, hit me up on Twitter, send me feedback on our Discord channel. Here's my, we try to create as many community connection points as possible because we know that when you connect more often with your community, you do well. And I can give you data on this, but the interesting point is this. If you look at people who do really well and develop these clubs, memberships, whatever, and they don't churn, so they retain most of the people that are supporting them, it's based on frequency of interaction which is basically two modalities. The first is you know, being consistent once a week or for two weeks, but just a consistency in how often you're putting new content out there, but then also touching people every day in whatever way scales. And so it's your Discord. We have like a built-in Discord integration on things. If you're a designer, it's touching people. And you just explain things like waterfall strategy, which is you, know, you can hit multiple channels 
with roughly the same message because you have different communities in different places. But you have to interact individually, but you don't have to do everything individually every time. That, just the concept of it, every, uh, it's a standard marketing practice, but if you're not from that world, you wouldn't know it. You explain it to them, they go do it. And then they're like, this is great. Like I'm working with people in three different channels. I choose when to interact, but when I do interact, there's always a channel that's full of people that want to give me either feedback or tell me something positive. The best positive feedback loop that exists for a 3D designer is seeing people love what you do, print it, and share it back with a positive comment. And so now we have this new leaderboard, and this isn't like a plug for us at all. It's, it's more like to reinforce the point. And this is where it came from, from all these designer meetings we had over the last two weeks, that just incentivizes and puts big payments out weekly to people who print and then share it back with the designer. It, we don't, there's like no monetizable value in that because we don't do ads or sell data. But what it does do, and we're willing to spend the money on this, what it does do is give more feedback loops that are positive at scale for designers. That's great. Think about all the upvotes that you get, yeah. right? Think yeah. about when your audience grows, how great that feels. Sure. That's, there's that version for everybody out there. Uh, that's that's fantastic, and we need more of it. And I'm glad that you guys are aware. It seems like you guys invest and spend a lot of time um, looking at the human psychology of a lot of this, which I think is refreshing to see from from companies and uh, talking to people, talking to people. Um, I'm really excited to see how this evolves. I, I love how quickly you guys are moving on it, and I have no doubt that you know we look at at uh, what you guys have done in a year from now, and there's going to be just more and more and more. So. I got to thank you for spending the time for, for finding us this great spot to, to record. Uh, we're we're going to have to have you back and, and do it, uh, do it again. Uh, who knows from where next, but, uh, I would love to come back and just share yeah. what we put out there for the playbooks for makers and designers. Yeah. And it's, it's basic stuff. We have a lot of data and yeah. so we can show you like, here's the data and here's what it'll do to help you grow. Yeah. yeah. That's, that's how we all win. It isn't a scarcity thing. We can yeah. all actually win together yeah. like Perfect. this. The way that you approach the community is uh, something I'm a huge fan of, as you know. Yeah. And it's an honor to be invited here. We treat it as a privilege, and uh, it's a very humbling one. So thank you for having us. Well, and I say us because it isn't just me. It's I got a whole team of people that are working right now. We were up till midnight shipping the latest leaderboard. That's thank you. Thank you for allowing us to tell our story. Well, th- thanks for being here. And like I said, I look forward to having more conversations like this in the future. Yeah, me too. All me right. Too. All right, Dennis, everybody, check out things.com if you haven't already. If you're interested in 3D design, if you have uh, a hobby that maybe uh, this would support, this uh, this could be a good place for you. Look at the look at what they're doing with the leadership, uh, the leaderboard and their membership models and all that stuff. So thank you very much, my friend. We'll chat again soon. Thank you for having us. All right.